God, thank you so much for your grace, your power, your mercy, and your love, Lord. Uh, thank you for bringing us here. None of us are here by accident or by mistake. Um, 2020 is, is exciting, I'm sure, for, for all of us to leave behind uh, maybe things in 2019 and start some new stuff in 2020. Um, but at the same time, God, it's middle of the year, and we're probably feeling a little bit of a lull of energy and, uh, and excitement for the second half of a school year and life and everything else. So God, we ask that you'd breathe um, that joy in us, the energy and excitement of what we need to take on the things that are in our lives and bless uh, the month of January in this sermon series. It's in your name. Amen. Uh, we are calling this series uh, 2020 Vision. Uh, not, it's, not, it's not even remotely original. It's not. Uh, so we just thought we'd go with it and sell out to it because it's 2020. So uh, what we're going to look at is um, just some different moments of how Jesus dealt with people. And in this case, uh, we're actually going to literally look at how he healed someone who didn't have 2020. Exactly, exact opposite of 2020. They were just flat out blind. Um, and so Mark 8, 26 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. You can check it out in your pew Bibles or follow along up on uh, the screen. And this, this interaction between Jesus and this particular individual is fascinating and has implications to you this morning as well and what Jesus is up to not just 2,000 years ago in the life of, of this young person but also in your lives here gathered here and as you look into uh, 2020 as well. Um, and so I'd invite you to open up the Bibles or, or go ahead and follow along if you'd like. Um, it says here in, in verse 22, they came to Bethsaida and so people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Now, just stop. 2,000 years ago, there's stigma about being blind, per se, uh, that's different than what you would deal with in present-day culture. 2,000 years ago, matter of fact, in the book of John, uh, there's another instance of a blind man, and the disciples asked Jesus, they're like, hey, is this guy blind because his parents sinned or he sinned? Which one is it? There's no third option. His parents messed up or he did. That's why he's blind. So just know, like there's another story where Jesus deals with the rich young ruler. Okay? The guy's killing it. He's wealthy in business. He lives a moral life. Goes up to Jesus. Even the disciples are like, wow, look at all the stuff this guy's got. And he's awesome at everything. And their assumption is you have stuff. You've been given a lot because obviously God likes you and you're doing it right. So the rich young ruler has bought into that too, a rich young man. So when he approaches Jesus, and Jesus just kind of gives him a right to the face, and he walks off all depressed, they're shocked. Because I thought stuff and blessings tangibly meant you're in right standing with God. Conversely, if you were blind, the assumption is you did something wrong or your parents did. So the fact that Jesus would even interact with kind of more or less this at least morally unclean perceived person. you gotta, you got to understand that that's already kind of like, wow, really? This person either messed up or their parents did. And verse 23 says, He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? Now, here's what we need to know. is like, like just different... Um, ways that a person could lose their vision. Like, who in here is like 2020? Okay, who's 2020? Okay, so I'm 2020. I never wanted glasses, but as uh, I became bald, 
I've kind of been like, dang, glasses would be kind of cool. Why? Because the only facial feature I have right now is my beard. Shaved it off, right? And now this is what I look like, okay? It's just a thumb with eyeballs and a mouth. That's it. This is my clone. There's three of us now, okay? That's it. And I'm like, dang, some glasses would set it off. It would at least be a decoration, right? And I don't even have that going for me. So how do you lose sight, okay, especially if you're a guy like me and you guys still have good eyes? I'm sure they're going to fade eventually. Not yet, all right? So how would you lose them? In a moment. Just a moment. All right? Sandlot. 1993 movie. James Earl Jones. Who's with me, okay? The kids finally talk to James Earl Jones, and what does he say? Man, when I played in the big leagues, I would lean over the plate, and it would disappear Practically, that's why I love to play baseball. And then a fastball caught me right here and out in an instant. I could see 100-mile-an-hour fastball hit me here in the temple. I can't see in a moment. That's one way to lose vision, right? Uh, another one would be, uh, what about just willful disobedience? So, like, I thought, like, my parents would say, look, uh, you know, or teachers or anyone in your life, don't stare at the sun, don't look over at the stun. Bad idea. I actually had to finally like Google this. Like I just learned, like it really will make you go blind. I thought that was just like a like a hangup that a parent has. No, it's really is a terrible idea. Okay. And so if someone's like, listen, don't stare at the sun. Don't stare, and you're just like, eh, I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyway because I like it. Right. Uh, it it's proven scientifically proven. Over time, you can do enough damage to your eyes. You can go blind just from staring at the sun. Terrible idea. You don't care. You do it anyway, right? What about just time and circumstance? Some of you are working glasses right now. Some of you have got contacts in, right? And it's not that you didn't eat your carrots. You did it right. You've lived a healthy life. But time and circumstance has taken its toll on your body. And now your eyes don't work as well as they once did. And now you're wearing glasses. It's not anything you did. Not anything you could have done. It's just the way that this thing works. Okay? Right? When your brain is mush, okay, your body's awesome. Okay? And now your brain is awesome and your body is mush. See? That's why you have to die and go to heaven when the brain is awesome and the body's awesome. That's the only time they're synced up. Okay? Otherwise, it's always, that's the world you're living in. So now your mind is sharp, but now your body is failing you. Now, next thing you know, you're wearing glasses just so you can kind of see, or you're playing the trombone kind of thing, right? So this is just how it happens. Like in a moment, right, willful disobedience, time and circumstance, no, you know, nothing you asked for, nothing you tried to do. Well, this is what happens in, in verse 24. He says, I looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Stop for a second, right? Spiritually, you need to understand what's happening. Jesus is trying to speech about spiritual vision. What you can see. And if we're honest in this room, I bet you yourself or people in your life that you know and love maybe went from being able to see Jesus spiritually and they understood Jesus and they walked with him but they may have been subject to one of these three, and maybe that's you. It's just a moment. One moment. This one loss. The devastation of it. 
You questioned everything from that point on. You could see so clearly. You were bought in. It was you and Jesus walking through everything in life. It didn't matter if you were looking for a parking spot. You're trying to file your taxes. You're going to work in the morning, whatever. You just got running dialogue all day, every day. And this one moment hits. And that quick, your world's flipped upside down. An instant. You got family members, maybe friends. Maybe someone in your life right now, and you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've prayed. You've got calluses on your knees for how often you have knelt down beside your bed asking God to just do a work in this person's life. And no matter how often you tell them that staring at the sun is a bad idea, they just don't seem to care. And you try to tell them, you know, if you just you keep doing that that way over time, it's going to burn you. Over time, you're going to stop seeing Jesus for who he is. And maybe most of us, maybe that's not even you. Maybe you're not the first two. Maybe you're in the third category. You know, life, these, these unbelievable peaks, like it's like 5% of life, not even. And the horrible things, if you really think about it, that define us, most of the time in the grand scheme, most of the time, are like 5% too. Most of life is lived out in this 80 to 90% thing, okay? It's waking up, it's brushing your teeth, it's doing the laundry, oh, we got to pay the bills, we got to do this, got to do that, all these conversations, moving kids around or whatever you have going on in your life, got to get to the doctor. It's lived out in kind of the mundane, but the thing about the mundane is that can become its own version of like, a new rut that a person gets into. And before they know it, time and circumstance, just like some of you have glasses on, and you've lived a healthy life, you've done everything you're supposed to do, and next thing you know, you just don't see like you used to. It just took a toll. You're not even sure, sitting here, how it even happened. It just happened. You used to pray. You used to feel like this was a, a, a powerful like relationship, and it may not have been anything you can even point to. It's just time and circumstances. Satan is so interesting in this way. I mean, he's very patient. If he can't get you bad, he doesn't have to get you bad. Make you do things that are bad. That's what we think of as a little on your shoulder. He just get you busy. He'll take either. Bad or busy. As long as you aren't looking at the one who put everything into motion who loves you deeply. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him. Just as long as they're not the person walking with Jesus that they once were. He'll take it. He'll take it. So in verse 24, the man looked up. And he said, I, I see people that look like trees walking around. What does that tell you? He wasn't blind his whole life. He wasn't. How else would you know what a tree looks like? Moreover, how could you ever compare a person to a tree? The only way you could do both is if you've seen both at one point. So this man at some point could see. And Jesus is trying to make a parallel to what's going on with the disciples. See, right before this whole little exchange with this man, Jesus is feeding 4,000 people. And the disciples literally look at Jesus and they're like, I don't know how we're going to do that. How are we going to pull this off? And Jesus looks at them and goes, really? We just fed 5,000. Remember? Well, 
how are we going to feed 4,000? Why are you worried about feeding 4,000? You just saw me feed five, right? And what is he setting up? What is it? What's their problem? They still don't get it. They don't see them. They don't see the power that they're really operating in. They don't see the one who's actually like leading the charge in Jesus. They don't understand his identity. They're still blind to who he is. Right after the discussion about the feeding of the 4,000, then there are the Pharisees. The Pharisees have memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Have you ever read Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy? It will put you to sleep. These cats have it memorized. Start a verse, they'll finish it. They know everything there is to know that's been recorded about the description of the Messiah. And they come up to Jesus right after the feeding of the 4,000. They go, hey, we want to see a sign from heaven. What is it? They have everything, detailed description of who the Messiah is. He's standing in front of them. And they're blind. They have a deep, rich history of who the Messiah would be, and they can't see him. So here's this man who knows enough and has seen enough, and somehow circumstances, situations, maybe in an instant and in a moment, maybe some dumb decision he made that was just willful disobedience. Actually, what's beautiful here is that doesn't even matter to Jesus. And I hope you catch that in this room. Jesus never goes, well, well, let's talk about how you lost your vision. Remember that time, spring break, 1998? Like, he doesn't do that. Notice that? He doesn't care. You know who cares about dumb stuff like that? You. You're the one that has the ranking system for when was I more of a moron than not, and when am I unworthy of his love and his grace or not. He doesn't care. Sick is sick to him. Broken is broken to him. In need of a physician is in need of a physician, period. So make sure, by the way, when you're dealing with the great physician, that the stuff that's hanging you up, that you're clear that it's you that's being hung up on it. Not the God that is now pressing in, who's only interested in one thing, a relationship with you and healing, period. Not the how. Just what the problem is. That's it, see? And so this is... What I love is, number one, when you get to verse 25, once Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, it says this in verse 25, then his eyes were opened, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, don't even go into the village. Here's what I love about the man. Let's first just look at the man. Jesus asked him, all right, it's the only time in all of the Gospels that this is a two-part miracle. Only time. Every other time in the, in the Gospels, someone needs healing, boom, it happens. Right? He just does it. This isn't because Jesus was low on his supernatural juice that day. He's helping them understand something different about his nature. Right? So this is what's so cool. Is I love what the man does. The tenacity, the guts, the vulnerability, the honesty. Jesus does half of a miracle, more or less, and says, hey, how's it look? And he's honest about his condition. How many of us in this room, you know, you're the people pleaser in this room. I mean, would you ever want to please someone? It would be Jesus, right? How's it look? What pressure, right? 
Who in this room would just lie? That looks great, Jesus. Never seen better. Thanks so much, right? I mean, what would everyone say if I made Jesus look bad, right? He didn't really heal me. But what does he do? No, no, no. I I mean, I can see, but it's it's still blurry. The guts to be honest with God. He was put on trial 2,000 years ago, folks. He was cussed at and beaten and slapped and humiliated. I promise you, he can deal with your anger, your pride, your indignation, your frustration, your unanswered questions. He did pretty good under trial 2,000 years ago. He can take all of it. But if you take a page out of this man's book, I hope you do, you don't feel like you're seeing like you used to. You feel like at some point you've gone blind and maybe some things are starting to kind of pick up in your spiritual life, but it's still not what you had hoped, not what you wished. Are you honest with the great physician about honest with Jesus about the nature of your condition? Are you willing to just hit him with it and trust that he loves you so much that he can take it? Because he can. And this man is just so beautifully honest. And right after this story, what this goes into, which is so cool, is it says that they go to Caesarea Philippi. Now, it was originally just called Caesarea, but they changed it. Philip changed it to Caesarea Philippi. Why? He wanted to make sure everyone knew It's his town, okay? Now, this is Vegas on steroids, Caesarea of Philippi. It is pagan on top of pagan on top of pagan craziness. And Jesus takes the crew after this moment into that city. And it's in that context that he asks them, hey, who does everyone say I am? And I love that he asks that question. Because that's sometimes the way that we try to find out what that person really, that individual thinks about us. You ever done that? Well, what's everyone else think about such and such? And that's usually when a person will tell you the truth. Why? Because they don't feel like they're answering for themselves. So who's everyone say, I am? And they have all of these ideas of who Jesus might be, but then Jesus finally turns the screws in the context of this pagan culture to ask the question that he really, really wants to know, and that is, hey, guys, who do you say I am? In a culture surrounded by little gods. In a culture surrounded by all of this pressure to dictate your life and your purpose and your meaning and what you should think and how you should parent and how you should uh, engage with your spouse and how you should feel about your neighbor and how you should think about the political climate that we're in and what you should think about what's happening on the other side of the world and how you think you think this is new. It's not new. It's a 2,000-year-old song, just new verses. That's it. And he's asking who ultimately is at the very top that informs every aspect of your life. Who do you say I am? Am I one of many in competition? Or am I it? That's what he asks them. I want to leave you with the final aspect of what I think is so cool about Jesus in this moment. 
the man would look at Jesus and say, I don't see as clearly as I hoped. And Jesus comes back and clears up the man's vision 100%. What he's helping the disciples understand right there in that moment is you guys still can't see me, but let me just let you in on my character. Let me let you in on what I'm about and my passion. See, I'll introduce you to myself over and over and over again. I will reach inside your mind and inside your heart and inside your head over and over and over again. And even if you could see at one time and you became blind and you feel like this thing is happening in your life, but it's still not what you had hoped in your relationship to me, I will one more time, one more time, one more time, one more time bring you in real, real close and fix your spiritual eyes, so that you see me clearly. If I can encourage you to do anything in 2020, it's just to be completely honest with the physician. And what we see in this story with Mark is Jesus will gladly oblige the children that he so deeply loves that are gathered here in this room. It is a message of grace that he wouldn't just do a physical healing, but that he would actually reach inside the mind, the heart, the body, and the soul of people who have wavered from being able to see to losing their sight to kind of being able to see. See, that's the ongoing ministry of Jesus in your life. So wherever you're at this morning, whether you feel like you're completely blind, where you feel like you're just kind of hazy in things, or you've never seen better, just know that no matter how it goes, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what is the situation or the circumstance, no matter what is the event, no matter what has happened, you can ask him, and he will love you. He'll restore your vision. He'll give it to you back. He'll heal hurts. You may not forget them. You may not forget them. But you might, you just might be able to forgive them. You might finally be set free. You may have fear and anxiety that you've been living with forever in a day. And you may have struggles and you may have times in your life where you are just kind of seeing because you have such a fog of whatever it is that is weighing on you from one day to the next. He is saying in this story, come back to me. Come on. Meet me here in this moment, and I will love you again. I'll remind you that I'm yours one more time, and you are mine, and we're in this together. And I'll reach inside your mind and your body and your heart and pull you through it one more time. Why? Because I love you. You got that? 2020, he loves you people that much. His grace is sufficient. Be honest with the physician, and he will oblige those that he loves. And I'm going to tell you right now, he loves the people in this room. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your power and your mercy, Jesus. We thank you for the ability to heal the physical body, but we stand even more in awe of your ability to heal and restore the soul. Give us spiritual eyes to see you with a clarity of vision we never thought possible. Grant us a passion for you that burns white hot. Maybe 2019 was a time of turmoil and hardship. Maybe we could do everything we ever want to just forget that 2019 ever happened. Maybe that's the way it is for some of us. 
God, help us to press into you and to be honest with you. You can take it. Restore our eyes to see you with a clarity like never before. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen.